So again, it's a great pleasure to be with you, and I will be here for a month. So um, I'll be the Canadian content here in, in Michigan. And uh, just to give you a little explanation, so I've been ordained for uh, 29 years. My anniversary is on the 1st of May. And I love being a priest. I love ministry in the church. I love the Lord with all my heart and my soul and strength. And uh, I'm also a mess. You know, we all are a mess, but we're on the way. And uh, I am a pastor, uh, when I'm actually at, back at my own parish, a uh, pastor of four, five churches, four parishes. Yeah, so I'm, I'm uh, on deep medication. <laughs> so um, there is a, a clear indicator that uh, we need to evangelize very, very, very clearly. Uh, because when we move into this, this model of uh, multiple parishes come together, which, which is, is moving here into the Lansing Diocese, it's part of the, the thing that is called the crisis of parishioners. Uh, we're, we're, just, we're just fewer and fewer, and we have to recognize that. Even though I would say that here at St. Pat's, and uh, before I launch into my homily, I just want to affirm what's going on here. It is incredible. It's such a blessing. And I hope you realize what kind of a blessing it is and what you do have here. Because it is a gift from the Lord and particularly in the leadership. And uh, Father uh, Matthias didn't pay me to say this, by the way, <laughs> just telling you that. Really, there's a great gift that the Lord is placing in your midst. Be attentive to that. Be attentive to what the Lord is doing and listen to the voice of Jesus in this. Jesus is the good shepherd. He's the one who guides the church. He is the head of the church. We are his body. We are the flock that he has called us to follow him and to listen to his voice, to hear his voice. And that implies a relationship with the Lord. That implies that we have a deep, loving relationship with Jesus, who is the bread come down from heaven, who is the good shepherd. And he loves us, but he also disciplines us because he wants the best for us. He wants us to be one with the Father forever. Forever. That's how we're made. Forever. To be with God. And I know you know this. However, it's good to be reminded of this. I often say that our lives are pointed towards heaven. And that's where we need to point our lives. Everything that we are, everything that we do points towards heaven. So we aim for heaven. And if we miss, meh, you know, it's not too bad. If we aim for purgatory and we miss, not so good. So we're aiming for heaven and following the good shepherd that he has called us to follow him. The fact of the matter is that we were made in relationship and for relationship. We need to be clear about the story of why Jesus is the good shepherd. He's not the good shepherd just to be uh, nice, 
and kind and wonderful. No, he's the good shepherd because he was sent at the right time, at the right moment. I want to quiz you. Probably you already know this, but who made you? Okay, good, good, good. You, you remember the Balmer Catechism? And why did God make you? To know him, to love him, to serve him in this life, and to be happy. Wow, you're, you gotta, come on, you know? Why did God make you? To know him, to love him, to serve him in this life, and to be happy with him in the next, in heaven. So we were made in relationship, we were made for relationship. That's how we're made. He made them male and female. He made us. And yet, there's an enemy that comes into the play. Satan does not want us to be with God forever. Satan does not want humanity to be in communion with the Father. And so right from the beginning, he started planting that seed of doubt of identity into Adam and Eve. Oh, you'll be much better if you ha eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You'll be like God. <laughs> and so they had apple pie. They rebelled. They said, we don't need you, God. We can do it on our own. We can do all of this. See how great we are? And yet, what happened was shame entered into the world. And we started hiding ourselves from God. And God searches for us. Because again, the plan of the enemy is very clear. It hasn't changed over all these years. He wants to rob, steal, and destroy. He wants to separate us from eternal love so that we will be eternally separated, eternally isolated through our own choice to do so, to reject God. And so in the fullness of time, the right moment at the right time, God sends his Holy Spirit upon the Virgin Mary, fulfilling the prophecies of the past, fulfilling the promises of God, that the sacrifices of goats and rams could not suffice for the reparation of the sin of rebellion, but it was only through the incarnation, God being one with us, Emmanuel, and God being one with us in Jesus, the Son born of Mary, to shepherd us and to reconcile us to the Father. And so in this story, we were made for relationship, the first R, the second R, there was rebellion, the third R, there is redemption through his death and resurrection. And this is what we celebrate, that truly Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. He ascended into heaven and grants us the Holy Spirit. And in his resurrection, it causes us the, or offers to us the, the fourth R, which is response. How are we going to respond to this? Because we have free will. 
Our free will has gotten us into a lot of mess. But this is the purpose of faith, so that we can be restored once again to that right relationship. And again, this is just review for you, right? I hope so. That we understand the, the story and be able to share the story, to tell the story, and to invite people because there's a mission. Recognizing that the mission is urgent. Brothers and sisters, we can no longer, we can no longer just sort of hold up together and pat each other on the back and say, okay, we're, we're all okay, we're okay, right? We're, we're good, we're good, right? And just sort of come together and, and, and be, be isolated from the world, uh-uh. In fact, St. John Paul II ushered in for the world and for the, for the church a call to the new evangelization because he recognized the trajectory of the world in its rebellion against God. Pope Benedict identified it very clearly. Speaking about the spirit of the Antichrist. What we have to also be clear about is that in the proclamation of the mission, the proclamation of the message, that in this current age, we are in a different place. So I don't have a long time to explain this, but uh, I'll, I'll give you a little bit. So we have moved from Christendom to an apostolic age. Christendom is described as uh, the church and the faith having the favor of culture, having the favor of government, having the favor of, of the popularity. And this, this happened in Con uh, Constantine's time and all the way to this age. Well, we're in a radical, radical shift right now. Radical shift. We see... Uh, uh, Tremendous, like I, I see in, in my own uh, ministry, how the churches are emptying. People are walking away from the faith. In fact, what's growing is a sort of an anti-faith sentiment. So think about it. 60 years ago, you'd have the Joneses down the street. And the Joneses lived down the street. And you looked at the Joneses and the Joneses, the Joneses. They didn't go to church. Ooh, oh, ooh, those Joneses. Got to keep away from them. So 50, 60 years later, the Joneses. Oh, the Joneses. They go to church. Ooh. It shifted. I just want to honor the young, young adults and young people that are here without duress. I honor you because amongst your peers, you are crazy for coming to church. You're a bunch of radicals and we need to be a little scary about you. That's how great the culture shift has happened. And so we're no longer in Christendom. And if we stay in a place of longing for the good old days and longing for Christendom that, that, that time, then we're going to miss it. 
because we've moved into an apostolic time. So what does that mean to be in apostolic time? I believe St. John Paul II, the great, I just added that. He was a prophet in our time. And he wrote this document called Redemptoris Missio, the mission of the Redeemer. It was one of his first ones. And he talks about the new evangelization. He talks about the need for the people of God to understand who Jesus is as the Redeemer of humanity, the only one, the only Savior of the world. The only Savior of the world. I know that's not radical to you, but it is radical in the marketplace to say that. It's intolerant of me to say that Jesus is the only Savior of the world. And he is. And he says something very, very interesting that we need to perk up and listen to. For this apostolic time, which he says in chapter 3, the Holy Spirit is the principal agent of evangelization. We cannot evangelize without the Holy Spirit. It is the activity of the Holy Spirit who does the evangelization. We avail ourselves. Like in the first reading, when Paul and Barnabas were preaching in the temple, and uh, the, those who, who did religion very well, but didn't understand the whole aspect of the relationship and the saving power of Christ, that they stirred up the crowd to go against them. And yet what happens? Were they distraught because they were persecuted? No. What does it say? The disciples, the disciples were filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. And with that, that witness, that's where we need to go. It's very simple. And I think we tend to complicate it and politicize things. And the faith need not be politicized. Again, it is very simple to share the gospel out in the world, to be witnesses. Sometimes we're not great witnesses. Sometimes we don't do so hot. We need the faith to inform our faiths. If we actually believe that Jesus Christ is our Savior, is our Lord, that when we live out in the world, that with joy informing our faiths. Sometimes I, I go to, to places uh, where we look like the frozen chosen, you know. The Lord really wants to engage us so that as a witness in the world we can do so with joy i'll share a little story i was on my way from uh, canada to here and uh, i was meeting up with a seminarian and we were at a restaurant and uh, i was going to pay for the bill and uh, the the owner was the server also and so he came and gave us the bill and I said, you know, I'm a, I'm a Catholic priest and uh, I like to pray. It's fun. So 
uh, is there anything that I can pray for, for you? And he looked shocked and he said, well, yeah, my aunt, I'm going to go see my aunt. Uh, she's, she's elderly and she's going undergoing some heart surgery. And uh, I, I, yeah, I would love that if, you, you, if you'd pray for her. And I said, sure, um, can we do that right now? And so this is in a restaurant and uh, it, it's, you know, other guests or patrons are there. He said, sure, sure, sure. So made the sign of the cross and you always look to see the indicators. So he made the sign of the cross. He didn't do the emergency sign of the cross. You know what the emergency sign of the cross is? The lazy sign of the cross is this. But so he made the sign of the cross. So that told me something. And I prayed just a very simple prayer. Lord, bring healing to his aunt. We thank you, Jesus, for this moment together. Give him comfort. Let him see her. We thank you for his relationship with his aunt. Thank you, Lord, for blessing her right now. And bless, bless Tony. Fill him with your grace, your mercy, your love, your peace. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. He was overjoyed. It, it transformed. He, he said, you can't believe what this has done for my day. You can't believe it. I said, well, I, I, I actually can believe it. And he was so overjoyed, he, 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 he said, uh, can I get you coffee? Can I get you some juice, water? And so he filled up a bag with it, and, and I was going, thank you, thank you, thank you. And he said something that, that I thought was mm, a little sad, but a little wonderful. He said, he thanked me so much, and he said, in the nine years that he had been working there with this restaurant, no one has ever offered to do that for him. Whose voice does the Lord have but yours? Whose hands does the Lord have but yours? Whose ears does the Lord have but yours? Brothers and sisters, we were baptized, immersed in the life, death, and resurrection. And we were made in relationship and for relationship. And although we rebelled, against God, that he sent the Redeemer to redeem us, to save us from the powers of hell so that we may respond in joy to the good news. And in that response, do mission in the power of the Spirit. On this Good Shepherd Sunday, entrusting our hearts to Mama Mary, who is the prime evangelist, the one who receiving the Holy Spirit, overshadowed with the Holy Spirit, conceiving in her womb and bringing to the world Jesus, the Savior, that we rejoice in her motherhood and the gift of life that has been given to us. And this war on humanity, on the dignity of life, that we may be a voice to speak in the darkness, light, the light of Christ, to hear with the ears of Christ, the pain of the people and to intercede for them 
and pray for healing and release from captivity, to have hands to break the chains of the enemy of Satan and his enemy and, and his minions, and to bring freedom to those in captivity, and to bring life to a world so in need of life. Dear sisters and brothers, let us ask Our Lady to intercede for us that we may be missionaries like she is a missionary, to proclaim a very clear message that she has in Fatima and Lourdes, repent and believe in Jesus. And so we do all this in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. <laughs>